Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. There's once again speculation that, you know, COVID-19 is causing some problems in China, far off places. So something that's definitely on our radar. But as you know, we just reached the two year anniversary this week of it arriving in Canada with vengeance and causing so much chaos. So uh, now if you think about where we are, obviously we're in a much different place two years down the road than we were, right? Even even six months ago or a year ago, things have changed dramatically. And we are seeing a return to whatever you want to call it, whatever descriptor you want to put on it. Regardless, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing crowds at concerts and, and hockey games. There's, there's no masks anywhere if you don't want to wear a mask anywhere. I mean, you know the drill. We're basically all mandates gone, right? Um, and all the while, though, we are reminded that COVID is not over. And to, to be honest, I need to be reminded that COVID is not over. I want it over in the worst way. But I understand that, okay, we can't get ahead of ourselves. But let's take a look back at history and some other pandemics that have taken place and sort of what... When did we say, okay, this is over? What ended other pandemics historically? And what can we apply from that experience to what we're going through now? Joining us is Dr. Barry Pecus, who is a York Region Medical Officer of Health and an Assistant Professor at the University of Toronto. Doctor, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. So, yeah, I mean, when we talk about, you know, previous pandemics, the one that seems to always be drawn in parallel with COVID-19 is, of course, the Spanish flu of 1918, that pandemic. So what can we learn about our current circumstance based on that? Well, so first of all, when we're looking at history of pandemics or looking at the history of anything, frankly, um, you know, we, we often talk about the year in which it ended or maybe even the month at which it ended. But, of course, if you're going through it, it looks very different. So, you know, we're thinking about what day is it going to end or what month is it going to end. But, you know, in history, even if we say it ended abruptly in 1918, it really wasn't, you know, abrupt at all. Um, but the Spanish flu, you know, it is the, the largest, most recent uh, pandemic, although there are, there are many others, uh, and one in which we have lots of records. Um, but influenza, which was what caused the Spanish flu, is far, far, far less infectious than um, than COVID and, and certainly than Delta or Omicron. So, you know, the dynamics are a little different. But what happened, of course, with that is it infected, you know, at least a third of the world's population and killed, you know, uh, over 100 million people. Um, and essentially what happened is enough people um, became infected and then became immune, be, you know, from that infection. And because it wasn't so transmissible, it, it ran out of people to infect. And that's really how, pandemic, how pandemics end. Yeah. Either we stop the way that it's being transmitted by some changing something environment or the, the virus runs out or bacteria runs out of people to infect either because it kills them all or because you people become somewhat immune. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think that's a really good point. Like, there's not a day where somebody wakes up and says, you know what, the pandemic's over now. Uh, things happen gradually over time, and we get to a point where it's just not an ongoing concern. You draw an interesting parallel to the HIV AIDS epidemic and how that one quote unquote ended. And like we say, it never really ends. You know, here's the end point. But it was treatment in that case that really sort of changed the way we talk about it, right? Certainly. I mean, that took an awfully long time. But I think it's important to recognize it wasn't only treatment, but the fact that treatment also decreased transmission. So not only do people who get treated for HIV not develop AIDS and die, but also people who are treated for HIV don't tend to transmit it to others. So, you know, each one of these diseases is very unique. And when we talk about HIV, the unique thing that allowed it to become endemic was both that people weren't dying. I mean, people still certainly do die, but, but that it, it, uh, it has a good treatment for it, and that treatment prevents transmission as well. And so that's, that's very, of course, different uh, than, than COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the most recent SARS prior to this one, you know, the most previous coronavirus outbreak, and that was uh, the SARS outbreak that really scared a lot of people when it burst onto the scene, and it caused some disruption, not to the extent of COVID-19, and then it just sort of seemed to just go away, and, and we don't talk about it anymore. Why did that one not reach the levels of this one? Sure. I mean, we do talk about it in public health circles, certainly, but, but yes, it's not an, um, something that people talk about yeah. all the time because it was so much more deadly and so much less transmissible. So the first SARS killed around 10% of people that it infected, and it was, it was very difficult to transmit. You know, as we know, it was really only transmitted in hospitals for the most part or in very close quarters, and even then it was difficult to transmit. If you look at something like Ebola as well, you know, kills 90% or, or even 50% in the best case of people that infect. So people are scared of it, but it only transmits in a, in a much more restricted way, right, through direct contact with, yeah. with certain bodily fluids. What kills people, what causes pandemic is not things that are very deadly in and of themselves, but things that are much, much more transmissible. That's why Omicron, you know, people think of it as just a mild cold, which it is in many, many people, but because it's so much more transmissible, it's killed many, many more people than the original version of COVID, which in and of itself was was more deadly. So, you know, something we really need to think of because it's a bit counterintuitive. Yeah. Okay, last one. Can history teach us anything about the condition that we're in now or the state that we're in now and where we might be headed? Yes. So history can certainly teach us a a lot, just like looking at other jurisdictions can teach us something, but we need to learn things and we also need to appreciate what we should not be learning. So, you know, it's not only, as you said in your introduction, a far off place like China that that COVID is having a bit of a resurgence, but actually in this past week, in places that have lost masks in Europe, uh, like the UK, we're seeing this this remarkable increase in COVID once again, not only in cases, but also in hospitalization. So, you know, I'm speaking to you guys in you're in Alberta. I'm in Ontario. We still have masks uh, right now in in public settings. And and once those go away, you know, all of us are really expecting an increase in transmission similar to the UK. The question is, you know, how far is it going to go and how might we need to respond? Exactly. Yeah. And and be responsive. Um, Doc, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. That is um, Dr. Barry Pakes who is uh, the York Region Medical Officer of Health and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto.